Hi, my name is Margaret, and you have ventured your way into the beautiful Collision Podcast. I believe when the good and amazing, great parts of your life collide with the bad, messy, and hard parts of your life, they make you into the beautiful and amazing person that you are. On this podcast, you're going to hear stories of people from all walks of life, faiths, cultures, and backgrounds, and my hope is that you resonate with some and embrace your own story. Hey friends, you're back listening. Yes, I could not be happier, honestly. And today's conversation is great for a lot of reasons. One, our co-host is back. And then two, we get to talk to a wonderful woman named Alethea. We talk about her full-time job with Athletes in Action. We also talk about how her faith has wrecked her life, but in a good way. And then we get into the deep reality of suffering and what that has looked like in her life with the loss of her mom and how she's navigated that. And then we also talk about the big 3-0 because she turned 30 this year and that is awesome. And so I really, really hope you enjoy this conversation. A little disclaimer, we had a few technical difficulties in the recording of this conversation. So there's a, might be a few glitches, a few low moments. Just turn it up on your radio or whatever you're listening to. Not radio, but whatever you're listening to. Um, but we just had to post this conversation because it was too sweet and too good. So enjoy it, listen to it, and have a great day. Okay. Hey, everybody. I am so excited that you are here again listening to the podcast. And today I am co-hosting once again with Drew Burgess. Hey, Drew. (laughs) Um, And Drew is going to introduce our guest. And I'm so, so, so excited for you to hear from her. So take it away, Drew. Mm, Thanks, Margaret. Yeah. Wow. Today, I'm so stoked for this episode. Um, we have one of my good friends, Alethea Lamberson, um, that is joining us today on the beautiful collision. Alethea and I, so we are on staff with Athletes in Action. That's how we know each other. Woo. And yeah, <laughs> I think though, you know, what really bonded us was we both led a soccer tour with AIA mm-hmm. last summer to France. Mm. And yeah, that really, that was a huge seal the deal um, <laughs> for our friendship. Um, and honestly, she, she's someone that I'm, I'm so grateful for, um, just continuing to, um, learn from, do life with, um, I look up to her a lot, you know, whatever you're doing today, if you're running around, if you're at home, um, I would just enjoy, invite you to join us and, um, for this conversation, it's going to be a really great one. So, Alethea, would you, um, Alethea, yay! Hey, what's Come up, everybody? Come on. <laughs> Coming up from Hotlanta. Hotlanta. I mean, seriously, though, one of the most effective communicators uh, has a, such a powerful voice. Um, so I'm excited to really for y'all to get to hear that today. So, Alethea, would you just introduce <laughs> yourself to um, our listeners for just a little bit? Yeah. I mean, that's quite the intro there, Drew. 
expectations. <laughs> um, yeah, so my name is Alethea, as Drew said, uh, currently reside in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta. Um, I actually just hit the year mark on the 14th. Oh my gosh. Years ago, Woo! I hit my one year anniversary of moving to Atlanta. Uh, moved there from Blacksburg, Virginia, where I lived for three years okay. uh, on staff AIA at Virginia Tech and Radford Universities. Um, but I hail from, originally from Ohio. There it is. Go Buck. <laughs> the. The Ohio State University. Nothing else. Right. Um, <laughs> you didn't pick up on that. I'm a diehard Buckeye. Um, yeah, from a small town in Ohio, grew up there, uh, played basketball at Ashland University. Where's that? Um, in Ohio. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so, so talented. You know, I try. <laughs> uh, so finished up at Ashland, got my master's degree in sport management. Okay. Uh, from California University of Pennsylvania. I know. It's confusing, oh my God. <laughs> but. Uh, what was that again? California University Inver- of Pennsylvania. That's a thing? <laughs> It is in California, PA. Yes. Okay, that's. I know. That's really cool, though. That's kind of funny. Yeah. (laughs) By that, you start with California University, and they're like, "Oh yeah," and then you say, "Of Pennsylvania," and they're like, "Wait a second. But yeah, I got to be a graduate assistant for women's basketball there for two years, um, and got my master's in sport management. And yeah, then I ended up joining staff, which I think we're gonna chat about here shortly. Yeah, we are. Wait, so you've lived in, like, a thousand different places, it seems. (laughs) No, no, just a few. Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and now Georgia. That's all. Okay, that's all. I feel like that's a lot for the average person. Four? Four places? No? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Well, okay, so, anyways, you said you were... I mean, so that's just, like, two years, you know, like... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, technically live there, but, you know. (laughs) You did live there, so... Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you said you're from a small town in Ohio. Okay, and yep. then now you live in a big city, Atlanta. I do. Okay, so w- small town versus big city, pros and cons. What are they? Yeah, there's a lot of pros and cons. I would say I've always lived in a small city. So my hometown, Ashland, uh, Cal PA, uh, even Blacksburg. I mean, you take out Virginia Tech. Yeah. And, I mean, when... Classes are not in session. Small businesses would shut down for like a week over break because you have 30 some thousand people who would leave, you know. And so um, Atlanta is not affected if Georgia State is not in school or Georgia Tech for that matter. Um, It is a huge city. So everything keeps moving along. So I think for me, I have always desired to live in a bigger city. Um, Yeah. Small school, like you don't have to worry about traffic or whatnot, but you know, everyone knows you kind of in your business. Um, there's not a lot to do. You have to drive really far to do something. Um, you know, for me, like even when I lived in Blacksburg, I would drive three and a half hours to Charlotte to fly out a place to, you know, to fly somewhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's for me a lot of pros to living in Atlanta. Um, I'm from the airport. So because I travel quite a bit Uh right now, um, that is such a blessing and so glorious. Um, love that. Uh, there's so many places to eat. I love food. Yeah, um, girl, me too. So, food and coffee. I mean, yeah. speaking my heart, there's just a plethora of options. You know, I don't, I don't have to go to the chain places um, because there's a ton of other really good stuff. So, yeah, I've had some great food in my in my year in Atlanta so far, and some great coffee. So mm-hmm. that's been cool. Um, 
yeah, there's just a lot to do. I, you know, for me being, um, you know, single, turned 30 this year, earlier this year. Um, Yay, congrats. Yeah, victory out. Like, there's just a lot of people in my same season of life. Uh-huh. Um, and so something that's been really fun. So I've never, I didn't experience that in Blacksburg. Um, and just the diversity aspect, too. A bigger city, there's a, more diversity. And so right. um, in Atlanta, there, it's, very, it's much more diverse than any place I've ever lived. Like, my church is incredibly diverse, and I love that. That's something that yeah. my heart has been yearning for for the last few years so uh, for me there's way more pros and cons i mean there's traffic because there's a lot of people but it, that's just it is what it is you just yeah. if you go into downtown between the hours of you know, 6 30 to 10 or 4 to 7 then you just don't go downtown you know <laughs> and then you're good. <laughs> you no know, i like, totally understand that because i'm from houston i always ask that question because i'm from houston i'm a city girl like hands down okay and the smallest city I've ever lived in is Chapel Hill when I went to school in North Carolina. So, yeah. so I just, I always ask that question because I love, I don't think me personally could ever live in a small town. Like, I love the city so much. So when people move from small towns to big cities, I always just want to know. I mean, my brother, I told him pretty early on after I moved that I loved Atlanta. And he's like, how do you love this? Because he hates the city. Like, that's just not his personality. But like. He's very chill and doesn't want to do it. Doesn't need to do a lot and be around a lot of people. Where I love people, I love doing things. I love meeting people. I just yeah. So for me, it's 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 a good fit for me and my personality and just yeah, who I am. Yeah. Um, just kind of the things that come with the city just is what it is. Like it is hot Atlanta for the win. Hot Atlanta for the win. Yes. Really hot, but it's been really hot here too. Um, so you mentioned that you were on staff previously Virginia Tech in Radford, yep. cool. um, which is how we kind of cross paths more um, because being on staff here at UNC, um, we would go to the same like retreats yep. and um, see each other at different events like that for um, mm-hmm. the same region. And Not technically, but well, different regions, but still, we overlapped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. um, but now, now you're more down south and working at Georgia State, yes, right, and then also trying to start to do some work with Clark at Clark, Clark Atlanta, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, talk a little bit about how you came to join staff with AIA, yeah, what that was like. Yeah, so I feel like my my call to staff, as some people would like to to mm. phrase it, um, but me really entering into the the world of staff life with AIA full time. It really was a God thing. I mean, I think in full-time ministry, it's, in anything you do, really, I think it's a, a calling, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think for full-time ministry, um, I don't think it's just something you should say, oh, just let me figure, try it. I don't know. Some people do, but I think it's a call, right, for full-time. And so, um, for me, I had no desire to join staff. Like, that was not on my radar. Um, and really, my exposure to Athletes in Action, I got exposed to a little bit in college. My college coach... Uh, uh, heavily involved with AIA through doing some um, some basketball trips, had a ton of friends on staff. Um, actually, I live about 45 minutes from headquarters. And so um, mm-hmm. I dated a guy in college from Xenia, where our headquarters is. And so I'd heard about AIA as well, but didn't really know a ton about it. And my faith wasn't really something of priority for me, really, until my senior year. Even then, I didn't know really how to live out my faith. 
Um, and so I had a couple friends uh, tell me about the ultimate training camp out in Colorado that we have. Yep. And uh, so I went out to camp two weeks after I graduated, May 2009, and my world was rocked and got to really experience athletes in action in a really small capacity, but yeah. got to experience and so left camp, life changed, um, on fire for Jesus, and uh, ended up going to grad school at Cal PA and went back the next summer to intern and loved my time interning. Now, at that time, this was before we had multiple locations for UTC. So as an intern, you spent two and a half weeks in Colorado. So you went a few days before camp, got your training, and then you stayed a couple days after. And there right. was back-to-back. And so um, – being out there for two for those two and a half weeks uh, was a really cool experience for me. Just really seeing the Lord use me in ways I had never experienced before. I led a small group for the first time, and it it was just crazy. Just the stuff I was experiencing, the ways I was seeing God show up really fast and in really cool ways. And so, leaving camp, the staff, which is what we do now in our role, Drew, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is we we challenge the stu- they challenge the students to really think about joining staff. And I was like, yeah, like this was amazing. <laughs> But I had no context for campus. Like, my only context was camp, right? So it's very, very different. So I finished up grad school the next year. And, and, uh, you know, I had, since I was younger, I said, if I don't play overseas or, you know, my dream of playing at WNBA, I want to coach collegiately. And I knew at a young age that I wanted to coach at the college level and not lower. And so um, the dream is, you know, be a grad assistant, get your school paid for, you can get paid. and I got to go to a really great program at Cal PA. Uh, they won a national championship back in, I think, 2004 was a, was the first one. And then they actually just won again a few years ago. Oh uh, one of the coaches I worked with is now the head coach. But nice. wow. So I ended up getting a – so, yeah, I was pursuing uh, – pursued that, ended up doing that, and then I finished up grad school. And um, I was like, hey, I did my two years. I want to go full-time into coaching um, collegiately. And so um, I pursued that, and I really – I really felt that's where the Lord was leading me, especially seeing the need for, man, these coaches need Jesus, right? There's a whole other side oh, wow. in the athletic I got to experience for two years. However, I think part of it was I was still holding on to a dream I had. And so, and I didn't know how to let go of that and like still follow God and know that he was calling me to something different. So basically what happened was I, I interviewed for a few jobs. I really thought I was going to get this third job I uh, applied for and the, the Lord just kept closing the door, essentially, and I got really frustrated with God, and, uh, you know, I felt like, I'm doing everything, quote-unquote, I'm supposed to, and, you know, he had some more stuff for me while I was at home, um, but I just, I reached out to one of our staff women, Jen Waddell, Alabama, she's been on staff for 30-plus years, um, reached out to her because we connected at camp, and I said, Jen, like, can I intern? She said, yeah, but you'll have to wait another year because it was beginning of August at this point. And I'm like, what am I going to do for a year? I have my master's degree. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not pursuing coaching. What do I do for a year until I can even intern? And then she said, or you can join staff full time in January. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. So she basically just explained the differences to me. And I said, okay, I'm really intrigued by that. So this conversation happened on a Thursday. I uh, talked to my family, uh, prayed about it that whole weekend. Uh, a few days later, that following Tuesday, I saw my coach, and she had been with me through the whole coaching process. And so I just said, "Hey, coach, um, I, I think I'm thinking about joining staff." And she looked at me and she said, "Leith, I think God is saying no to coaching right now. I think you should join staff." I said, wow. "Okay, <laughs> okay, I'll do it. <laughs> Sounds yeah. great." <laughs> and it, it was so simple. That was all the affirmation I needed yeah. um, to move forward with, with even filling out the application. And it was really, really cool to 
to even see the process, how the Lord showed up, even in application, like, which that's like the most extensive application anyone I think could ever fill out. Wow. Like forever. Yeah. Um, But it was cool because what happened was during that time of filling out this extra long application, I was still getting like rejection letters and emails for jobs I had applied for. Yeah. Before application, I would be, I would get discouraged more and more and more every time I got one of those. So it was really cool. The affirmation the Lord brought to me in that process Every time I got one of those letters and, and emails after I started my application, it was just peace, peace, peace. Every time I got something, I felt so much peace about the decision I had made to pursue staff full time. Even though I had zero clue, inclination, understanding of what I was stepping into as full time staff. Um, yeah. And the Lord has confirmed it. And it's been five and a half years now. I was about to say, how many? Five and a half? Five and a half, yeah. That's... Okay. Got my certificate oh, back in February. So. That's so crazy. <laughs> So I have a question for you. So, um, yeah. can you explain for like people listening, like what about ultimate kind of what ultimate training camp is like briefly and like, what about it? You said it was a huge change or it was a huge thing that triggered change in your life. So if you could explain Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, um, so one of our summer uh, projects with athletes in action is called the ultimate training camp or UTC for short, because we love our acronyms yeah, we do. in AIA. Um, and so UTC is a six day camp. We have multiple locations. Um, the one I attended is in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is hosted at Colorado State University. So it's a six day camp where we talk about five biblical principles that apply to sport and life. So AIA, one of our little mantras is God's sport and life. And so really looking at these five biblical principles. So we look at, we look at scripture, we see how does this apply to my sport? but also how does this apply to life um, for me going to camp I was a Christian I put my faith in Jesus um, my senior year of high school when I was 17 uh, actually just days before my mom passed away and so what happened in my heart was I didn't understand I really didn't understand enough about God um, to understand how he could allow something like that to happen as a 17 year old no one really walked through that with me um, so I was pretty angry at God and so that's kind of where I, I stayed uh, for a good portion of college, and even when I, my senior year, wanted to take my faith a little more seriously, I've never heard this stuff before, you know, like, an audience was one, and uh, my identity being in Christ as a, as a follower of Christ, like, this is what is true about me, because God says it's true, not anything else, and um, how, what does it mean being filled with the Holy Spirit, how do I deal with suffering, that was the one principle that we have, principle four, hurt for certain is the name of it, and we look at the life of Joseph, and that principle um, rocked my world because it just helped me to process even more deeply the suffering I had been experiencing for the last five years at that point, and not and just this, this void in my life with my mom being gone. Um, the Lord really just did some stuff in my heart through that principle. And then the fifth principle, we talk about victory beyond competition, so having an eternal perspective. And so I'm hearing the scripture and this, all these stuff, and I'm like, what is going on? And then the relationship talk was another pivotal experience for me, um, just really understanding, like, God's word and, you know, honoring him with our bodies, but also talking about relationships, stuff as a 22-year-old I had never heard before. And so it just rocked my world. And in that talk, right after the talk, is the first time I would say I truly experienced forgiveness um, to really just pray and really just man, just be mourning over my sin um, and feel the weight of it and just really feel the Lord meet me in that and say, I forgive you and I love you. Um, that was yeah. a huge turn, turning for me in my faith. And so that's really what, I mean, I lit a serious, not just a spark, it lit a fire inside of me. Yeah. Um, as a 
year-old just finishing up uh, um, college, preparing to go into what was a, a, the next season of life was hard being in grad school. Um, but I feel like had I not gone to camp, my life, I mean, my life would look very different had I not gone to UTC back in 2009. So, um, if you do not mind me asking, can you, you talked about your mom passing away your senior year of high school, correct? Yeah. Can you like walk me through, um, just the emotion of that and how that has kind of affected you today or like what the Lord has really just shown you through that? And just kind of the struggle of that. Because I feel like people that are listening, like, there are probably some people that are walking through that now or have walked through that. Um, and so I can't imagine that's easy. But if you do not mind. No, I, I don't mind. I, that's what something the Lord has, has taught me through it is it's important to share, um, even though it's hard. Because there are a lot of people who, um, unfortunately, have experienced it um, or are going to, you know. And so... Uh, the emotion, yeah, it was, I mean, that was really hard. So my, I was raised by my mom. Um, my dad isn't really in the picture. And so my mom essentially played both parents for me. Um, granted there were a ton of other people who helped, but my mom was like the rock of our family and, uh, she did everything just the way she provided and cared for me. And I have two younger brothers. And so, um, yeah, my mom was present at everything. Like just pushed me a lot, you know, showed me just the work ethic I have is a lot of it's from her. Um, and so I did what was hard in that was I had been hearing about, you know, Jesus and God and God's love for us and all these things because my, my friend and her family, like, they resigned and started going to church at a young age. And, you know, I couldn't have told you this at the time, but the Holy Spirit was working because my junior year, I was like, man, I'm supposed to be a Christian, but I'm not really sure why. Like, I just, you yeah. know, I just, but there was something, I was like, this is an important decision I need to make for my life, but I just didn't understand the implications. And really understanding God's heart um, for people and just who he is and his character. And so not really understanding that or knowing anything about that. For me, when my mom sent me and my brothers down my in, towards the end of my junior year and said that she'd been diagnosed with cancer, my thought right away was like, well, this sucks, but she'll be okay. Yeah. Because I've been hearing this God who is so loving and so kind and so gracious and just all these great attributes of God. And so I'm like, well, my mom is 36 years old and I have me and my two younger brothers, like there's no way she's going to die. Like that literally cannot be possible. Yeah. And so fast forward, just unfortunately a few months later, she was diagnosed in March and passed away that November. And, you know, for me, that was really hard to reconcile my mind and to understand like all the stuff I've heard about God. Mm-hmm. And here I am. And my mom is no longer <laughs> um, on this earth. And I've got a six year old brother and a 15 year old brother um, and I feel kind of lost because I feel like I, I just lost both parents. Like, yeah. what? I'm supposed to process this. And so uh, for me, it was I was really angry at God. I, I remember vividly uh, one of my best friends growing up. Um, I went right to her house and I just was and she's a Christian. I just was really angry. I said, how, how can God allow something like this to happen? Like, he's not what you guys have been telling me or what I've been hearing. You know, these Sundays I've shown up in church. Um, and so I got pretty mad at God. And so I pretty much just put my faith on the back burner. Um, and I, I had a decision I felt like I had to make. It was either be this awesome big sister and be there for my, my younger brothers as they try to figure this out, or I can just deal with my the messiness of my heart. And I was like, I have to be the big sister. Um, so I didn't deal with anything. I just really feel like I suppressed it, just put it down there. I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Focus into basketball or whatever it might be for some people. But even if you're not an athlete, there's something that we can put 
it wasn't for me, it just wasn't basketball. It was also guys and relationships, you know, to really fill um, what was going on in, in the depth of my heart. Um, and so what God has done in that, um, he brought Jeremiah 29 11, which is a really cliche verse for a lot of people. Um, but actually for me, the Lord used that verse immensely in my junior year when things were just really falling apart in my life. And that's when I would say the healing process began. And so that was, you know, three years later after my mom had passed away and three and a half at that point. And, uh, just knowing that like God is good and he has a plan. And, And for me, I began to understand there's a plan that God has and it is good. And I may not understand every single part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that, what the Lord has done is one, he met me in my pain and continued to pursue me. So the reason why camp was so monumental for me was because after, at the end of the special, I really felt the Lord, it was not an audible voice, but it really felt the Lord say to me like, Hey, Lithia, these five years that you've been searching for something or someone to fill that void, nothing is going to fill that except for my love. Mm-hmm. And that's when it clicked for me. And it was like, so real. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. Like something that filled this void. Yeah. It's God. Yeah, you're right. You know, but the Lord was so gracious to me in those five years of running and, you know, putting the stiff arm up towards him and just looking opposite direction or just ignoring things he was doing because I didn't want to and to do what he was, you know. So um, that was one, one thing that the Lord has done. But then from there, um, really since I joined staff, I... I moved to Blacksburg, and one of the first athletes I meet, um, sweet girl, oh man, I love this woman, uh, my friend Courtney, I uh, meet her and quickly find out that her mom has been battling cancer for a few years. And I, I remember walking away from that, that I sit down with her thinking, okay, God, like, all right, I know why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the first athlete I've met, okay, okay. Um, and unfortunately, her, her mom passed away a few months later. And so for me... Um, it was hard, but I, I got to walk through that with Courtney and just have some, some conversations with her that I, I think were comforting because she would say, you know, Alethea, you, unfortunately you understand this, like, and it looks different the way we journeyed through it. It looks different and it should look different because we're different people. Our situations are different. Um, we, 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 uh, handle our pain differently. Um, yeah. but there's a level of understanding, right? Like for athletes, there's a level, there's a language we have. that's like, if you're not an athlete, you're not going to understand it. It's not going to make sense to you. Yeah. Right. But you know, so for, for people who have lost their, their parent, a parent, you know, and has, have lost a mother specifically, there's just some, a common language and understanding that we have. And so there were things that Courtney and I could talk about the other women in our Bible study just didn't understand. And so, um, really the Lord has brought several women into my life, um, who have lost their moms. And, um, I feel like every time it, it, uh, it does something in my heart that's hard. Like it just it stirs up stuff that I don't like to be stirred up. Um, but I also think what God does in that is it's continued healing. Like, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll never get to a point where I'm like not upset about my mom. Like, you know, not being physically here um, until I get to, you know, until we reunite um, <laughs> in heaven, you know, because um, she she put her faith in Jesus right before she passed away, which is totally just uh, an incredible, incredible thing, um, you know, but there's still a pain there, you know, yeah. uh, the day she passed away, like my birth, my 30th birthday was really hard um, with her not being here. Uh, her birthday, which is the week after mine, um, significant things that happened in my life, like right. it's just like sucks like I wish my mom was here um and I I can still mourn that um I've learned that it's okay to still be sad about that um but however what I've 
seen is like joy in the pain um, and, and really seeing God get the glory because that's what it's about. Like God gets the glory in, in everything. Um, it's about him. And so even the things the Lord has allowed me to learn about my mom because she worked for a chaplain. <laughs> and just a couple years ago, I reached out to him as nervous as I was to say, hey, what did you talk to my mom about when it came to spiritual stuff? And, you know, he ended up sharing those conversations with me and told me, you know, that my mom put her faith in Jesus a day or two before she, she left this earth. Wow. And so, you know, I get to share that with people, you right. know, and it's like, right. it's wow. about God and, and just how incredibly gracious and loving he is, the way he pursues people. Because um, my mom was really not about that Jesus life, let me tell you. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I've just seen the Lord sh- just show up in some great ways. Um mm-hmm. Even as I continue to look at suffering, when I when, we, when I get to actually get to teach that principle um, that I mentioned earlier about um, suffering in Joseph's life and and just seeing Joseph experience some really tough stuff, stuff that was his own fault and stuff that wasn't, you know, and understanding that suffering is going to happen. Like it, it is because we live in a broken world. And so how do I deal with that? How do I view God in the midst of that and really continue to understand his character? Like God is, he is good. And there's sometimes there's not going to be um, an answer for the pain, um, which I think is hard for people. Yeah. You know, my, my young brother, his biggest holdup to really, really wanting to know anything about God is he just doesn't understand our mom died. And I, I can't answer that for him, which is hard. When I reflect on my mom and pictures and things of that nature, um, it hurts. Like, God, you're good. And you pursue the heck out of my mom. Um, up until you knew what her final day on this earth was going to be. And now I get to tell people her story um, so they can see you. And so um, it's hard, but um, the Lord has been so gracious and so loving over the last uh, 13 years almost. So, Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've heard, like you said, you've had the opportunity to um, yeah, or teach on that principle um, in suffering. Um, and I've, I've had the privilege of hearing you teach that, um, and so I've only seen a small glimpse of, honestly, what the Lord has done and is doing um, through you and um, um, just your story. Um, so I know that that part is a huge part of your story. So another thing that has um, been a huge part of Athletes in Action over the past few years is something called the Lenses Institute. And Alethea has actually played a huge role in being a part of the incredible work that um, the Lenses Institute is doing right now. So I would love for you to just talk a little bit about what the Lenses Institute is, um, kind of what your contribution has been to that, um, and just kind of what's going on there. Yeah, um, the Lord has been amazing uh, to us and Athletes in Action. So I think Lenses, the Lenses Institute started... Uh, I think like six years ago now. Um, wow, it's been that long? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's been six, at least six years, um, wow. which is crazy. So, um, yeah, it was started by um, a core group of staff. So Michael Sylvester, Brett Nathaniel, Lynn Shank, and Emma Tautolo. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the Lens Institute is a five-day conference for staff where we talk about, um, we unpack biblical oneness, under, really understanding what that even means. We also talk about race, ethnicity, privilege, culture, power, Yeah. Um, you know, and we, we really talk about, you know, looking at the world through a different lens. And so one, examining our own lives. So what we do something at Lens is called life maps. So we look at, we do our life map through the lens of 
race, culture, privilege, power, um, and ethnicity. And so really looking at our whole life and seeing how have we been influenced by those those five aspects or whatever. So mm-hmm. um, really doing a, a heart work for ourselves. How, what where do we ways do we discriminate? What prejudices do we have? Um, is there racism in our lives? You know, what's yeah. it like even in our ministry? And then um, also, yeah, what we, we call to as a ministry. And so, uh, Lenses Institute was mandated by our president, Mark Householder, in, in 2013. And so, 2013, he said all staff um, <clears throat> have to go through. The Lenses Institute, and so he mandated it, which made it, which was great, because every staff had to go through it. Yeah. And so that's actually Drew and I uh, were at Lenses Institute just down the road in Raleigh yeah. back in November of 2014. Almost three years ago. Almost three years ago. Wow. Um, which we'll actually be back in Raleigh um, in a few months. So uh-huh. excited about that. Um, but yeah, so we did that, and then uh, reevaluated in 2015, and then reevaluated here again um, at our conference just uh, about a month ago, and so. Um, really encouraging our staff to go through, but it's been incredible just to see, really since 2013, the trajectory that the Lenses Institute has sent our ministry on, specifically in Athletes in Action, and now to the point where it's it's open and available to Crew. So Crew, uh, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ, um, is our is our basically our parent ministry, and so we okay. as Athletes in Action were the sports ministry of Crew, um, and so. So Lenses was just for AIA staff, and now it's open to all of crew. And so we're actually, um, as a Lenses team, so we have our core group that I mentioned earlier, the four, and then myself and a few other people make up the Lenses team. Um, And then we actually have facilitators now that we have trained. So we had our first facilitators training back in February out in Phoenix um, because we want to have more institutes, but the seven of us on the team don't have the capacity to run, you know, five or six institutes a semester, Mm -hmm. you know, and so we need more people. (laughs) And so, and crew is huge. So, um, knowing that we're onboarding a lot more staff, we need more people. And so, um, we are hosting a few this semester. We'll host a few more in the spring, but you know, really it's been cool for me to see one, my own journey. Um, when I went, when I came to Raleigh, for lenses, uh, the Lord really, really did some deep heart work for me as I examined my own life and um, the way I view the world and understanding what oneness means. Um, you know, being you, you know, united, but not having it's not about having uniformity, right. um, but unity. And right. so, um, celebrating the different ways that God has created us, yeah. uh, having this picture of heaven that that John that John writes about in Revelation. You know, and so what is what does it look like in my life? What does it look like in our ministry, mm-hmm. um, locally, and our ministry as a whole? Right. Um, and so it's really challenged our organization to do heart work from our from the top down because every our leaders have all been through the Lenses Institute. Um, so what do what do the leadership teams look like? What does our executive team look like? What does our national campus team look like? Yeah. Our campus executive team mm-hmm. is it diverse? Not just in color you know but a multiple you know multiple ways is it diverse you know but right. um really examining that and so and then for i think my some of my friends even the conversations i have with people conversations i have with you drew like yeah. um you know I, I feel like lenses if we take away lenses our organization is nowhere where it is today so without true. the lenses institute so true. yeah um and so staff have really seen that how beneficial it has been to really engage in the conversations when it's uncomfortable um you know people acknowledging white privilege and that for some for some of our staff or many of our staff that is a first for them to hear that yeah but we're an predominantly white organization and so 
Um, how, what does that mean? What do you, how do you work through that? How do you understand that? And then how do you, and all of us, how we leverage our privilege, you know, how do you pursue students who are different from you? How do you, yeah. um, in your faith, you know, one of our, our Lindsay team members, her and her husband, who happens to be our national campus director, they are very intentional about the way they live their life. So where they put their three kids in school, they don't put, they put them in Dayton public schools, which is not a great school system, but because of that, they have bonded with an Iraqi family um, that were immigrants to the U.S., yeah. you know, and, um, you know, just the, the things that their kids are exposed to, um, you know, the places where the where E, um, one of our Lindsay's members, she where she grocery shops. It just, it helps you to really examine everything you do in your life and the way that you pursue people and experiences that are different from what you're used to. And so, yeah. for me, it's been helpful even, you know, being um, African-American, yeah. Uh, so just throw that out there for <laughs> um, you know, being a black woman in a predominantly white organization. So I'm really having to navigate some different circles. But I grew up majority in a majority culture. So my hometown, yeah. every place I've been up until I moved to Atlanta has been majority white. So I know how to assimilate. I know how to operate in white spaces. But also for me, I love being black. Like the Lord created me black. Yeah. I love it. I celebrate it. I'm about it. And so for me, as I've gone through lenses, it's helped me to, man, I'm owning who I am um, and how the Lord has created me and celebrating every aspect of that. Um, And also knowing I'm in a position to really challenge people, especially people that have been through the lenses Institute um, and having some hard conversations, you know, when stuff happens in our country or stuff is happening in our organization, how do I, how do we get to challenge people and even helping people see one of the things that we are striving for in our organization um, when you look at the NCAA um, and the percentage of athletes when it comes to ethnic, the ethnic makeup is 35% ethnic minorities across the board in the NCAA. Okay. And so we aim for that representation in our organization. But for me, part of it is the challenge of we're not striving like that's good and encouraging, but it should be more than just the 35%. We don't, we haven't like made it, you right. know. Yeah. Quote unquote. We hit 35% representation. In, um, of ethnic minorities in our organization, you know, how do we continue, how do we live a life that is diverse, right, um, right. and celebrate right. the way that God has created all people, and yeah. so, um, so lenses, yeah, we, there's a, it's jam-packed five days, I yep. mean, Drew can attest to that, it is, oh, yeah. it's intense, it is full, um, but we get at the heart of stuff, and where we really challenge people, and, and for me, I, I've been to multiple institutes, and I get to learn a lot from people and a lot of people continue to learn more about myself and I learn more about God. Um, yeah. And knowing how, and you know, we talk about reconciliation and you know, it's hard. The idea of reconciliation is great, right? Right. We, as believers, reconciliation is awesome, right? Because that's how we have access to God is because we were reconciled to God through Christ. And so we love the idea and concept of reconciliation, but actually doing it is a mm-hmm. different story. And so, when you're at the Lenses Institute, um, and people say stuff that's off the wall, it's like, okay, you really upset me by that, you know, but if you're working through this, and as your sister in Christ, I'm going to move towards you, because I love you, because Jesus is at the center of it, so let's work th- let's work through that, yeah. to help you understand why you said what you said was offensive, yeah. and not just, so that doesn't bear, keep barriers from you in your personal life, but in your ministry, too, right. you know, um, and to pursue athletes who don't look like you, so, right. yeah. Um, challenge for ethnic minorities too you know i think as we go through the lens institute to see that it's not just for our staff who are white it's for all of them you know and for Mm -hmm. me 
I check my heart every time I get to go of like, okay, am I pursuing people who are different from me? Like, I have a lot of white friends, and that's great. And so I get to ha- really dive into those relationships. But am I pursuing other people who don't look like me, you know? Yeah. And, and so that's been a good journey for me. Um, you know, I've interacted with some people who are Native American, and so that has challenged me deeply um, to, I need to, there's stuff I need to learn, I need to lament, I need to mourn, I need to, the, the few mm-hmm. people in my life that are Native Americans, I, I have so many questions for them and, and just wanting to do life with them and learn from them and see more of God through them. And so lenses, that's something we try to do is, is yeah. let's just see, we created all people, all ethnicities, all cultures, <laughs> um, even understanding the differences between culture and ethnicity. You know, we talk about that at lenses yeah. and Schools are different for people, and how do you how do you see that? How do you still love people well? You know, we just bring up a lot of challenging things, and so it's been incredible for our organization. Um, and I'm excited for Crew um, for how it's going to impact Crew staff. Yeah, because um, it's a need. I mean, it is. It's a yeah, it's a need. <laughs> so good. I mean, literally, I I would definitely say Lindsay's Institute and everything that's going on with that is. One of my favorite things about um, what's going on with Athletes in Action right now um, and what the Lord's doing in it, what he has done personally in my heart, um, really starting three years ago at the Lindsay Institute um, up until now and continue, continuing that um, in this seeing, understanding, and acting through that. I mean, my the lenses that I'm wearing have been wrecked um, for the better, and I... I'm so grateful for yeah. um, for having that be a part of what we are required to do as staff. Because um, it has been, it's really changed everything yeah. for how I how I see um, how I live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I could not be more grateful for that. Mm. Um, so I think we should uh, put a little mark in our notes at thelensesinstitute.com. Um, I would highly, yes. highly recommend. Yeah. One of the most incredible resources that um, they put together. Um, so maybe we can put that in the notes as a place to go. And uh, as far as resources go, mm-hmm. um, incredible information and um, um, just everything that's relevant, um, mm-hmm. what's going on now um, and in our world. I think that is a, a place to go if that is something that you are wanting to really um, engage in as we seek to um, see, understand, and act in our um, culture today. Yeah, and I, I like that, and I think um, I think that is cool that y'all are doing that, or AIA or crew, whatever, is doing that. Because I think, too, if you think about, it, like, athletes specifically, I mean, in all colleges, but athletes specifically is the one arena where, you know, most of them are recruited. So it's not, it's not by, they're, they're mixed r- racially by default by talent, you know what I mean? So yep. when you are an organization catering to a group that, is mixed just naturally because they were recruited to that school or whatever. Um, I think that is important because that's like the biggest platform you have where like all these different diversities are going to be there, whether they have the choice or not (laughs) or not. And you get to reach out to those people. And so for a staff that may not necessarily relate to some of the different minorities or vice versa, like, I think, I just think that's important. So I think that's really cool that crew has enacted that. And even it's a requirement, you know, because you can reach a yeah. broader group of people. So I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's great that it's a requirement in AIA. And we're, we're, we're praying that uh, 
crew leadership will make it mandatory for for their staff as well. But I'll, I'll definitely. It's a privilege for me to be a part of the Lenses team, to be a part of the some of the planning that goes into our institutes to get to literally be at our institutes. I'll, I'll actually be in Lexington, Kentucky at the end of next month for an institute there. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to that. So it's a joy for me and my role within AIA that I get to serve on the Lenses team and, and get to be a part of, of what God is doing in our organization as a whole. It's, it really is a blessing. Yeah. Okay, so Alethea, or do you like Alethea or Alethea? What was your nickname? Alethea? Uh, Leith. Leith. Okay, I like that. So I am going to ask you something. You said you turned 30 this year, right? I did. Okay, which is so exciting. But some people, okay, some people dread getting older and some people don't. Yep. I, I don't. I can't. I actually can't wait till I'm 30. But uh, <laughs> I think I think that's such a cool age. I'm kind of over being 20 in my 20s. I mean, but so are you, did you have are there any fun things that you are like, OK, I'm 30. I need to do this in my 30s or I need to be more independent in this way or just any ideas or or new adventures or passions that you're like, I'm in my 30s. I want to pursue yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, before I even answer that, I'll just say uh, I've never. I feel like even for women, especially turning thirty, it, it's this very detrimental time in our lives. Um, but for me, I, I don't. I have. I haven't felt my age for quite some time, so I, I really don't feel like I'm thirty. And people reinforce that often. Just the other day, I got, got in and uh, the waitress like looked at it and then walked away, and then she like came back. She's like, "What? Well, hold on. I thought you were like twenty two. And I said, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for me turning 30, it was not this like life altering. Oh my gosh, I'm 30. It was like sweet. Like, and, and for me too, it was even really cool. This was totally the Lord. I started to really reflect in my last week of my twenties. I really took that time to reflect. Like what does the last 10 years of my life look like? Um, what are ways that I can, I get to celebrate. I, things that I have mourned over, the the growth that has happened in my life, yeah. um, the, the way that I have seen God just work and show up and just be God, you know, and so it was really cool for me just to reflect on that and be excited for this new decade, um, and so, yeah, I would say, man, any, anything fun or crazy, I would say, uh, I love to travel, and so I think for me, uh-huh. uh, I'm just like, where else can I go? So Right, you know, I'm right with you. <laughs> yes, allowed me, through Athletes in Action, actually, to, to go to four different countries. Uh, went to France last summer with Drew. Oh, yeah. Uh, so France. So France. Mm-hmm. Got to go to Germany and Czech Republic. We did a, took a basketball tour there. And then I actually got to go to the 2014 Olympics in uh, Sochi, Russia. Because um, my best friend was competing. And so, what? Like, that's, yeah, she's a she's a silver medalist. Uh, so shout out to USA Women's Hockey going for gold in 2018. Uh, she's not playing, but still, yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. So, so home on the kick jump. Yes. Wait it. So I'd say for me, like in my 30s, it's like, man, like I just want to keep traveling. Like I really enjoy that. And so um, potential to go to Spain next summer, Lord willing. Um, our my so my region, the region I'm in, the Southeast region, um, being in Atlanta. Our partnership um, will more than likely be South Africa, so that's kind of on my radar too. Of oh, you'll the, love it. The South Africa, um, as we're trying to help the ministry, the ministry grow there, um, and just anything else too. I got to travel the last two and a half months. Um, I just got back to Atlanta a few weeks ago, so I was in Ohio, I was in 
California. I was in Colorado. I'm in North Carolina now. Like, you know, <laughs> Kentucky next month. I go to Orlando in October. And, you know, so I just, I love to travel. And I think it's just a season of life that I'm in, too, being single. Um, there's just a lot of freedom for me that I can just get up and go and I can plan things. And so I think for me, like, um, as long you know, still being single, like, I just want to enjoy that. And so um, maximize that and get to travel. So I really enjoy that. Um, I don't think there's there's nothing that's like glaring or booming like you're thirty. You should, <laughs> <we have> to, <laughs> I think I've, I've I've been able to live and enjoy my life. Yeah. Um, especially since I've been on staff, which has been really fun. Yeah. I think for for me and people might laugh at this, but um, I tell people I don't adult very well, and so I feel like when you turn thirty, <sighs> it's like man, I, I feel like I should adult better, you know, like, when it oh. comes to budgeting. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> right? Like, like, I'm like, I don't want to own a home anytime soon. Like, I just, man, one of my best friends, uh, her and her husband, they had to pay, like, 12 grand to replace a, a busted pipe, like, their sewage. And I was like, homeownership doesn't sound fun. Like, <laughs> Not so, for me. You know, I'm 30, so what? You know, so I feel like, you know, the Lord knows the depth of my heart and my heart's desire. And I, you know, I want to be better with my finances. And so it's like, Hey, you're 30. Like maybe you should take some proactive steps to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, Shouldn't we all, we should do that. Now. I should do that now. <laughs> so I, I've just been putting it off. Cause I'm just like, well, I just, I hate it. And I just don't like to do it. But I'm like, man, I'm, I'm in my thirties, you know, uh, maybe I should do a little better. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. So, uh, it's exciting. It really is. Yeah. To, I think to you do a great job. You, you are. You're adulting well. I'm, I am a child at heart. I you really are. I, that's why when I turned 30, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm like, why is this? I feel like a kid with, the loss, with my personality, who I am, like my goofy nature. I just, in, and I think working, you know, in college ministry, that helps too with, you know, yeah. athletes. So it's just, uh, it's fun. It really is. So helps me stay and feel young. Girl, keep so. doing it. Okay, so I we have two questions for you, okay? Yep. Okay, so the, the first one is, I like this question, is if you can go to lunch with anybody, okay? Um, it could be a famous person. It doesn't have to be a famous person. It could be your neighbor that you've just never gone to lunch with. I don't care. <laughs> anyone, anyone. But if you can go to lunch with anyone, who would it be and why? Yeah, so Drew asked this question uh, last summer when we were gearing up to go over to France. We yeah. had our, we were having some women, our women's bonding time, and she asked that question. I was like, this is hard. <laughs> it's hard for reasons. One in particular, I am so indecisive. Like, it, I'm in, indecisive, not indifferent, but I'm indecisive <laughs> to a fault. Like, I get annoyed at myself at how indecisive I am sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh, the person and the woman I would want to have lunch with is uh, Michelle Obama. (gasps) So yeah, so I I'm all about representation. Uh, I think it is important um, when people are younger, it's really important to see people who look like you. And so for me, I didn't realize that the depth and importance of, of representation until a few years ago. And now that I'm like all about it, I celebrate it to no end. And yeah. so for I think about Michelle Obama I'm like wow like black woman as a first lady like what and she's beautiful (laughs) it is crazy so I just have so many questions for her (laughs) yeah and she is flawless yes oh my gosh yes amen to that Uh, she's 
she's fabulous. And so I just, and there's just stuff I just love about her. Like even the stuff she did as first lady, some of the things that she enacted for, for kids and things like that. And for young women, I, I just, I love that. So, so I would love to be able to sit down with Michelle Obama Enjoy a really good meal. Let's, let's pause right there. Enjoy what good meal? I think we're going to add a part B to this. So Ooh. where would you be? This is news to me. You know, I can't pick a place because that's kind of hard. Um, I would just, I can. what I can say is I know what I would want in my meal. Okay. Like something, so chicken, which I know um, that's very stereotypical to black women to be eating some chicken. But, but I love chicken. It's good. So right. it's my because right. there's so many different ways you can prepare it. So yep. some chicken, um, probably some quinoa too, just because I love okay. some quinoa. Ooh. But if I don't want to go too healthy, like throw in maybe some barbecue or some soul food. Okay. That's yes. where I'm kind of like, I make a decision right now. You know, it really depends on in the moment. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we need a good chicken quinoa barbecue dish. I mean, that could be a whole day <laughs> at that point. Side. Yeah, maybe some soul food. I might be the bit for okay. some soul food. I've had some great soul food in Atlanta, too. So, mm-hmm. really just some chicken um, and dessert, you know. Ooh, yeah. Definitely oh. some dessert. Some coffee in there as well. Of course. Um, you know, there's definitely going to be coffee. There's definitely going to be coffee. Um, and probably a good glass of wine, too. Uh-huh. You know, the mm-hmm. coffee would be for the dessert. Right. Um, yeah, I'd have some, like, cheesecake. Like, I do love me. A red velvet cake cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory is one of my favorites. Oh, um, a red velvet, yeah, red velvet cake. I love red velvet cake. It's one of my favorites. General. Chelsea's Kitchen in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, If you like red out. velvet, get the red velvet cake there. It's Chelsea's. amazing. Had it for my 30th. <sighs> Almost cried. Oh, it was so good. So, that's right. This, will, this will be... This will be like more than... Lo- this will be like from lunch to dinner event. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Michelle is about it. I'm about it, so... <laughs> Brock and Michelle, that, I mean, I'm here for it. I'm here for that. The last question that we have for you, Alethea, you made it. I made it. Whoa. Um, is, um, we're really a lot about encouragement on this mm-hmm. podcast. And so um, if there was one person that you could encourage and lift up and build up, um, just like if they were sitting right here with us today, what would you say to them? Who would it be? And what would you say to them to encourage them? <laughs> So as I've shared about my indecisiveness, uh, <laughs> you probably gave her some questions ahead of time. Yeah, and yeah. you may not like how I'm about to answer this, oh. but um, this is how I'm going to answer it. Okay. So here's what I'm going to share. So I think in light of even the last week, um, with just the events in Charlottesville a week ago, and just uh, just how hard it's been, I, I feel like for me the the encouragement I would want to share is um, for two, for two different groups of people. Okay. Um, so to my white brothers and sisters, um, my encouragement is uh, for someone who is black, um, we need you. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we desperately need our, our white brothers and sisters to use their voice, use their platforms to speak up, to uh, really understand um, God's heart and, and be willing to put themselves out there and um, have hard conversations and challenge church leadership when it's not really reflecting the gospel and not allowing... Um, conversations to be, I, I checked my box on racism, and, or I called white supremacy sin and I moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so much more than that. And yeah. so um, what I've experienced this last week is uh, a lot of my white sisters coming around me and mourning with me and lamenting and being angry with me and affirming the mess out of me and loving me really well, letting me be just me um, and affirming me in that. And so that's my first piece of encouragement. And then my encouragement to people who are listening who 
look like me and might not look like me, um, <laughs> my black and brown brothers and sisters, um, to stay in the fight and um, take care of yourself. That's something I'm experiencing. Um, you know, this this uh, battle is hard and it's exhausting. I have been emotionally exhausted this past week. Um, but something that has been dri- driving home, driven home is really to, to self-care. And that's not just to go to the spa or go to a movie, but really to disconnect take a breath, be around people that you love, laugh. I laughed a lot today, which has been so good for my soul. Um, but to really fill up my heart with good things um, and really seek the Lord in that. And so um, don't grow weary. I know it's hard. I'm telling myself that. I'm saying that by faith right now and to not grow weary, um, but to stay in it and to know that God is at work. He is good. Um, he cares about the oppression and injustice that's happening. And so we will prevail um, as a body of Christ we will prevail because we have the victory on yeah. our side because of Jesus. Yeah. And so yeah. I know that's not to anyone specifically, but that's just kind of what's on my heart. And so that's my encouragement. Thanks girl. That's great. Wow. That was good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> what I tell y'all? I told you. She's so great. Well, thanks for having me. What an honor. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for being on the podcast. Honor, so I appreciate y'all having me. It's been fun. <laughs>